one tooth that's better there we go all right i can hear <laughs> all right before we get into our our uh a short bible lesson tonight i want to just take some time out to thank the lord uh for the band that he's given to us the band has been donated to the church and i want to thank the lord for his for the donation that he has provided uh he's the one that worked in the heart of the woman who owned this van to give it to us and uh, that that's amazing how God has done that and we want to thank him for it we also want to thank the Lord for um, brother Cliff and the work that he's done to get the van licensed get the licensing done on it so that we can actually drive it legally and use it for this work in this ministry it's amazing to me that God provides for his work what is needed and guess who he uses to provide you and me he uses us we want to thank the Lord for the gift for the licensing and we want to pray that the Lord provide through his people here for the upkeep of this vehicle to be used for his glory God has opened a door for ministry and Milwaukee Rescue Mission um, and we have other opportunities uh, for ministry um, different uh, different uh, things that we can do uh, in transportation with this vehicle so we want to thank the Lord for that and ask that he would use his people to fund um, uh, the maintaining of this vehicle so we can use it in the ministry so let's pray father we thank you for your gift we thank you how you give us what is needed for your work we thank you how you work in the hearts of your people for this woman who donated the van to us we thank you for Cliff for his diligent work in getting it uh, legal so that we can have it uh, as a own it as a church and take care of it. We thank you and pray for the upkeep, Lord, that you'll use um, your people here um, to provide what is needed to drive it, to maintain it, to use it in this ministry for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We'll tonight take a look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32. I've been looking at different psalms and seeing the aspect of prayer in many of the psalms because they help express the heart of the believer, the heart of those who are trusting in God. <clears throat> the song that we sang was old hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, and it expressed just what it means to trust God. Jesus. Trusting Jesus is just like that. Leaning on his arms. His arms are strong and they hold us and he protects us and he provides for us with his strength. And that's an expression of those who are depending, trusting, leaning on Jesus. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. All right, so the first two verses express the, the blessedness of having our sins forgiven. If you've been saved for a while, perhaps you might not appreciate or fully acknowledge or remember what it means to have sins forgiven. Actually, Peter talked about the fact that 
It's a sin to have an attitude where we've forgotten that our sins are forgiven. So in, in essence, he's saying we should never get to that point where we forget about that. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, verse 9, For whoever lacks these qualities, and I'll share those qualities in just a moment, whoever lacks these is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So one of the things that happens is, is we, it affects our behavior if we do not remember that our sins are forgiven. What kind of behavior is he talking about? Verse 5, 2 Peter 1, 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with good godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Look at those traits he's talking about. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. What does it mean when a person has forgotten that they were cleansed from their former sins? What, 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 what does that do to a person? Why? Okay, and what does salvation means and the impact it is to have on our lives because our sins have been forgiven. Maybe we act like we didn't have sins that needed to be forgiven or we've forgotten the fact that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and it's his grace that brings us to where we are. And because of his grace in our lives, it is to be operating and growing and increasing so back to Psalm 32. Blessed is the man in whose, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin in, is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Let me ask this practical question. Why is that kind of person blessed? It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Why is that person blessed? What, what makes that a blessed state? You can talk to me. Because we don't have to pay for our own sin. All right. What would happen if our sin wasn't forgiven? Our soul would be condemned. Right? Paying for our own sin, <laughs> we can't. Well, we can, but we don't survive. We can't pay that cost and survive. So we're blessed when God has decided to pay for our sin. We're blessed eternally. Blessed is the man against the Lord 
against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Isn't that amazing? He looks at us and says, no sin to judge. And we go, wait a minute, is God playing tricks? Is God doing some funny math? (laughs) Is he saying, I see you as perfect and sinless? Is, Is he lying to himself? Is he making this stuff up? No. What he does is he counts our sin as removed from us and placed on Jesus. And he says we're blessed because of that. Because if our sin wasn't removed from us and wasn't placed on Jesus, as it is for those who trust in Jesus, those who don't trust in Jesus, their sin stands right with them. It's like going into the courtroom and the judge already has the verdict, you're guilty because your sin is not removed. It's, it's been shown that it's you. And so what he does is he goes from that act of finding you guilty or innocent. He's passed that or not already. He's found you guilty. Now he goes into the sentencing part of the trial, right? To decide what's your punishment. There's no escape. We're blessed because there is no judgment for those who have their sins forgiven. We'll get to next time on the the verses 3 on. So the impact and the effect of sin in our lives. But the part of, I'll say we're going to talk about a part of prayer here, but look at verse 5. It does speak of prayer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Part of our prayer is that of confession. That we acknowledge to God. We speak to him. We can speak in thanksgiving that he forgives our sin. Praise God as we pray tonight. Evening, search. Pastor was saying his forgiveness. I just, as a leader, I don't want to put the church to shame, so <laughs> I'm ashamed of the conflict that I, we had Sunday night. But at the same time, I thank God for his forgiveness. Seven times, but 70 times, seven times. And, you know, some of us, we need more than that. So praise God for that. Forgiveness, that's no small matter, right? And so it's something that's worth meditating on. I think even when we have things happen in our personal lives, it should make us meditate on the bigger things. And I think that's what Joel is teaching. Joel is teaching that you could see a harvest that goes bad because the locusts eat it, and you could see the day of the Lord. And Joel is looking towards something bigger. And I think in some ways we have to be careful because I think sometimes we might want to envy the position of a Joel. We might say that we could see something small and try to make some big divine lesson out of it. But he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was giving what God wanted him to say. And I think oftentimes when people do it, they kind of speak out of their own will. They want to see something happen. And so later on in this chapter 2, of Joel, we're going to see him speak to things 
that he wanted to see happen, but I don't think it was just that he wanted to see it. He saw the fulfillment that God was bringing forth. So we look at this chapter, it has multiple parts to it. I don't want to oversimplify, but you're going to see a judgment part. You're going to see a call to repentance part. You're going to see a forgiveness part. And all of those are important in the gospel of God. I don't think that we as a church preach judgment enough. And I don't think we should say that because we're so angry or we hate everybody. But if we don't speak about judgment, then where is forgiveness? Right? If we don't think we did anything wrong, then we minimize God's forgiveness. And even if we do think there's something wrong, but we don't think that God is going to do anything about it, then the forgiveness is pointless. Right? If nobody is jumping falling off a 50-story building, you don't need Superman. If nobody's sins are so bad that they can only be washed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, you don't need the cross. So he says, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful people. Their like has never been seen before, nor will it be again after them, though they through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city, they run upon the walls, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he resent, relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn or relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate her fast, call solemn assembly, gather the people, Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord. Make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say amongst the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. 
and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, who has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be again put to shame. You will all know that I am in the midst of Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. My people shall never again be put to shame. And remember this is said in Acts. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there shall be those who escape. As the Lord has said, among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. It's a powerful chapter. That's why it's so good to get in all God's word. You're never going to just hear somebody say, let's just turn to Joel 2. That's my favorite chapter of the Bible. But it's so much in it. So I pray that this just encourages you to get into the, even the minor prophets. If it's a part of the Bible you haven't read, get into it because you are missing something. Amen. Good evening. Just one focus this afternoon, and this will be the last you hear of it. Uh, I'm, I, I got a card, and I, I would like for us to sign it for the lady who uh, gave us the van. It's an elderly lady. Her name is uh, Maxine Silvis, Sylvanus. So if you guys will sign it, I'm going to send it around. Who can who will pray for her? Dear Lord, uh, I thank you so much uh, for Maxine and for the use of the van that she gave us. It really runs well and just shows your faithfulness to this ministry, Lord. So I thank you for her. I pray for her. She, she lost her husband here a couple of months ago, and I know she's up there in age in her mid-80s. Pretty feisty, though, so I just pray your blessings upon her. I pray your blessings upon the use of the van, Lord, that souls will be saved, people will be brought into the ministry, desiring to learn to live for the Lord, for Christ's sake. Amen. 